This is London Calling. You are listening to Thought and Leaders. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Thought and Leaders, the global podcast. Now, this week, I was invited to visit the beautiful, sumptuous home, actually, of some amazing characters like Gasange. Sophia, Willow, Jack, Neon, Samia, and Gozi, the cute Inca, <laughs> Amara, and of course, Layla. The big cat sanctuary provides them and many other wild and big cats like Karkul, Cheetah, Jaguar, Leopards, Lions, Lynx, Pumas, and Snow Leopards with a safe and peaceful environment. I wanted to visit the sanctuary to find out for myself just how their teams provide these beautiful creatures with a happy and fulfilled life, stimulating them not just mentally but physically, and in doing so, helping to ensure the survival of some amazing species. My name's James Hannaway. I'm the Head of Partnerships here at the Big Cat Sanctuary in Kent. Hi, I'm Ricky. I'm the Deputy Head Keeper here at the Sanctuary. I'm Lynn, and I'm the Director and CEO of Paradise Wildlife Park and the Zoological Society of Hertfordshire and Trustee of the Big Cat Sanctuary. Okay, now Bobby is an important name, isn't it, in terms of the history of everything? Bobby is. Bobby was at Broxbourne Zoo when we first bought Broxbourne Zoo back in 1984. He was in a tiny little aviary, um, had never ever been out of it at all. And um, the first thing we did when we took over the park was obviously get the animals back to sort of good health, put the infrastructure in, and then we built a large sort of lion habitat in the middle and we moved Bobby into that and the day that we moved him in was very emotional because it's the first time that any of us has seen him actually walk on grass it was the first time his paws had actually touched grass it was beautiful and you can actually see that on YouTube there is a film of Peter Sampson the father the founder and Bobby right and from those early days we are now James in this amazing amazing place so tell us how did this place start so, um, Peter Sampson, that then just mentioned, um, obviously he founded uh, Paradise Wildlife Park when it was named Broxbourne Zoo, which was then labelled the worst zoo in the country. Turned that round into a fabulous family small zoo, which is a um, wonderful place to go and visit. Right. But then he actually uh, took over the big cat sanctuary here. There's actually a guy called Malcolm Dudding who had the farmland, mm. and he'd taken in two rescued lions from Windsor Safari Park is when it when it closed down and also a couple of rescued lines from a, a Maidstone Circus come zoo. Oh, really? Yeah, and Malcolm had given the call out to ask for help basically from the zoo fraternity and, and, and Peter uh, came along and helped him so helped build enclosures, helped put him in touch with vets um, and then when Malcolm retired from farming and from looking after lions in Kent, uh, yeah. Peter bought the land from Malcolm and it became the big cat sanctuary that we know now. So from Two, three, four lions in the beginning, now to 42 big cats and small 42? cats. 42 cats here. All the big cats, so lions, tigers, jaguars, leopards, snow leopards. Good God. And then a whole bunch of smalls underneath there, so cheetahs, caracals, lynxes, really? palaces, cats, fishing cats. Let's have a walk. How did you get involved with this place? Uh, I originally came down here in 2006 as 
uh, as a work experience student for my college course and stayed here for six weeks learning all about managing the cat species that we had here and just fell in love with what it was right and i've been very very lucky and worked to work my way around different zoos and then moved here seven years ago full time right okay now the work that you're doing here james it it is is it's mainly about conservation, is it, or am I wrong? Yeah, underneath everything that we do here, it's about conservation. So, um, you know, we, we're a charity. Uh, we do have animals here. We have what we call our four pillars. So welfare, breeding, education, and conservation. So right. the welfare is about caring for the cats that we've got here. So for whatever reason they are here, some of, some of them have been rescued in the past from other zoos, circuses that may not be able to look after them, and some are in that breeding program, which is a safety net for uh, endangered species. Um, and that's basically giving us the ability to reintroduce them all if that species goes extinct in the wild. Obviously, we're educating people as much as we can about the animals that we have here, their characters, who they are, their species, what threats they're facing. But underneath that all, yes, conservation um, is what we fund mm-hmm. um, in situ, uh, in here, in the UK, but also across the world. So whether that be Costa Rica, Africa, yeah. Sri Lanka, India, Sumatra, Russia. Really? So, yeah, so it's an international thing. Yeah, and we're funding trusted partners out there that are doing conservation programs across the world. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you a, a quite a blunt question. Right. Uh, Because I I know that my listeners are going to be thinking about this because of the uh, media coverage in the last couple of years. And I think you know what I'm going to ask you. I think I I know where you're going. You know where I'm going, don't you? So, um, okay. So, Tiger King. Yeah. So, views? Uh, I mean, we couldn't be more polar opposite than... uh, than the Joey exotics of the, of this world uh, operating roadside zoos in America or even in South Africa. Um, I mean, those guys are uh, breeding those animals in captivity for for show, really. So and for and for and for profit. Um, so for us here, the breeding program is very much a crucial safety net, as I say, a Noah's Ark for endangered species. So there's a real purpose behind it. Um, and for us, I think the sensationalism behind Tiger King as a program uh, really didn't address the fact that sort of those those zoos should, really shouldn't exist. They they breed hybrid uh, animals, um, and there's no there's no really valid reason behind their existence. The shocking fact that uh, sort of got overlooked by the sensationalism of Carol Baskin and the, and the, oh, and the no. murdering of the husband was that there are more uh, tigers in private ownership in America than there are left out in the wild. So that's, so that's a shocking... more private... Really? Yeah. Now, I was, I was hearing about, not about tigers and lions, but about um, snakes, that people are keeping reptiles. And what's your view on that? Well, I mean, exotic animals like like snakes, um, you know, as long as they're kept well, uh, can be kept, you know, as pets. Uh, but I think people just tend to go a little bit over the top with exotics. Uh, it's one of the dangers that the African cheetah is facing that problem. Um, there's only 7,000 of those left out in Africa, the most endangered African cat. Um, and really the pet trade in a lot of people wanting to have the most exotic pet that they can uh, is, is the challenge that's faced there. So... Um, I think people have more money than sense and perhaps, you know, it's driven by this desire to be the person that's got the, the weirdest, the one most wonderful animal on the, on the planet. And it's not right. You know, we would not, we say ourselves, we're a, you know, we're a sanctuary, but it's also a registered zoo, but we wouldn't want to see animals in captivity if we could help it. But at the moment, um, we need to, we need to be part of that breeding program. And 
it, they're ambassador cats. They're raising money to help protect their wild cousins because there is a problem out there and we need to solve it. Right. And in terms of being ambassador cats, as you put it, um, do you actually release these animals back into the wild at any point or what? Yeah, we, if, if the situation is right, then, then we will have a, a release program. So, for example, with the Amur leopard, uh, it's the most critically endangered big cat. There's estimated about 100 of those left out in the wild. So that's not a viable population in the wild to keep those cats um, sort of going and breeding and, and, and growing as a population. So because we know they're in a protected area, very well protected, they're not likely to get poached. Um, we know that if we go into an off-show breeding program with that cat and are able to raise a, a cub that's got enough diversity of DNA and the key hunting skills by being um, bred off show and not having any human intervention, then there is a possibility to add a, a viable cub into that wild population that's going to boost the diversity of DNA and help them grow into a healthy population. So in that case, yes, we would. In most other cases, um, it is that safety net because there isn't the protection for wild animals. For our Sumatran tigers, for example, um, you know, out in Malaysia and out in the islands out there, they're not, they're not protected enough. So uh, it's not worth us spending a lot of time and money um, to get a cub that's going to get poached within the next sort of the three months of being put out there. So what we'd rather do is raise money and give that to people that are working on the protection programs that are out there, education programs that are out there, holistic programs that are giving alternative livelihoods that are allowing people to to understand that they don't need to hunt this tiger, they would rather protect it rather than hunt it. Right, and, and indeed, in terms of DNA, you are doing some remarkable stuff here, aren't you, in terms of, of, of capturing that DNA in case, heaven forbid, you know, you need to breed almost from scratch again. Yeah, I mean, I see ourselves you know, very much like Kew Gardens in that respect. So, <laughs> okay. But those guys have got a repository of all the seeds of all the plants on you know, in the world and you know so they can replant and regrow it's right. exactly the same for us here so and it's not something we're doing alone you know this is with a whole a lot of other collections across the world are parts of these global breeding programs so right. and it is exactly that it's just having that diversity of dna across that collection that if the worst did happen and that animal went extinct in the wild we could reintroduce them back again amazing amazing now we're walking around the park here where, where are we heading towards now we're actually heading over to Ngozi and Amara, who are two white lions that are, are living with us. I mean, actually a good good example. These are ambassador cats. White lions very rarely occur out in the wild, and these guys will live out the rest of their life here with us. We won't breed with them because exactly because of that DNA uh, problem. So most white lions born in captivity have been inbred because there's there's so little of them. So they will unfortunately carry with them as they as they get older some defects and things that come through with that with that dna mix so uh, we're able to tell people you know look after these guys as best we can for as long giving them the longest happiest life they have have with us here right. uh, but also yeah it allows us to explain the reasons behind that dna and, and why we won't breed with these guys going forward so it will happen very very occasionally out in the wild in the kruger national park and timbavati deserts out there in africa so okay. you know that that's let's nature take its course from now right so here we are outside the uh, sanctuary, I suppose. Um, and uh, James has got a bucket here of chicken legs. 
You become much more interesting when you have a bucket of chicken in this place. So oh, you, really? Yes. Because food is what it's all about. Food is the motivator for the whole of the park, uh, you know, and that, that includes all the staff and volunteers as well. <laughs> um, but the, but our cats obviously are motivated by food quite a lot. So uh, you become a little bit more interesting with a, with a bucket. Uh, you become very, very interesting with a wheelbarrow because uh, that has large pieces of meat inside of it. Okay, okay. So what are we going to do now? What's happening here? Well, we are going to see whether or not our white lion uh, boy and girl are interested. First of all, right. in coming across, we're gonna just. I'm just putting on my a, a glove here, and right. we're we're putting on masks as well to protect ourselves. Yeah, I'm gonna put my mask on. Yeah, okay. We may have a post uh, sort of COVID environment. Um, of mask wearing but we're still wearing masks here to protect our cats because they're still susceptible to covid so how has covid affected the wild cats there have been multiple cases of covid in in various zoo species including multiple cats around the world and yeah. it tends to have come from asymptomatic keepers so from the start of last year when this whole pandemic really kind of hit yeah. uh, we've been super careful on site just to make sure that we are protecting the cats because we do have quite a lot of old cats here uh, and we want to make sure we're protecting all of them. So we have been wearing masks around them, masks around each other, um, gloved up if we are touching any food items and just making sure that we're disinfecting our hands and our feet um, as much as possible, especially when we are working between the different cat enclosures. Right. Have animals gone down with and died from COVID? Thankfully, I don't think any have actually died from COVID, but there have been, as I said, various instances of, of animals getting quite sick from it. And just like with people, it's, it's dependent on that animal as to how they've dealt with it so i know there was a zoo in the czech republic that had their whole cat house go down and they were recording different strengths of how those cats were dealing with it and and what symptoms they they each had wow 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 okay so what's happening now james we're just going to see if we can tempt out and gozi and amara um so that we can give them a a hand feed with a with a piece of chicken that we talked about earlier so this is something that we do on a regular basis uh uh, first and foremost, as a, as a health check for, for our cats. So, oh, really? In what way? Now, by seeing the way that they stand up um, to, to, to grab the piece of chicken that we're just going to put through the mesh and, and let them have, um, it shows us that they still have the ability, there's still the strength in their legs to, to, to get up. It right. also allows a, a keeper while they're doing that to, to just check the underside of the body and see if there's any lumps or bumps or things unusual yeah, underneath. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is also when the cat's going to open their mouth and uh, and, and chomp down on the piece of chicken, yeah. we get to look inside, check teeth for little, okay. for little dents or scratches or anything else like that. So um, okay. it's also a, a nice bit of enrichment for them. It's uh, a little bit like having a little little treat. It's almost like the size of a biscuit for them. A, a big cat like Ngozi might eat sort of, you know, 10 kilos of, of meat in one go. This for him is just a little treat. So, just a little treat. Which is why it's also quite difficult to get them motivated to eat it because uh, cats are very uh, energy efficient, so they will only expend the energy they, they need to do something they really want. So, so Can I follow you in there? We can go inside and just have a little call for him and then we're going to proceed. We can bring him outside. Okay, so we're walking inside. Now you can hear we These are magnificent. I wanted to tell you, everyone, that these are absolutely beautiful, beautiful creatures. And they are, they're a pride here. Oh. You gonna come get some chicken? You can do it. Okay. So he's coming up in a moment. Just uh, that that little noise he's making. You can hear he's got a really deep grumble. It's almost like a Harley Davidson roar. 
but uh, he's coming up to the mesh now to, to taste a bit of chicken, and he's uh, basically just telling me to hurry up, so I'll, I'll, I won't wake him, make, okay, yeah, make him wait any longer. Okay. Now, goes, goes. <laughs> Crunching away at that chicken. Beautiful sight. It, I must tell you, people, you can see why, why they call this the king of the jungle. I mean, seriously, majestic, elegant, sumptuous, amazing creature. Amazing creature. Tell us a little bit more about this particular pride. Okay, so they, we have Ngozi, uh, and then he lives with one of his sisters, Imara, but they have both been neutered. And then next door is their mum, two of their sisters, and then their two cousins as well. Right, right. And I couldn't. I don't think we could get much closer to a lion than than where we are at the moment. In terms of endangered, James, are these endangered? Well, this uh, this guy is in terms of the Af- the African lion itself. Um, there's actually less African lions left out in the wild now than there are rhino, and you hear a lot about the the rhino facing extinction. So these guys these guys have got problems as well. So loss of habitat, uh, human animal wildlife conflict, uh, loss of prey out in the wild, and mainly this is due to mass agriculture, mass farming. And their real problem out in Africa for, for the lion species is that they, they have lots of little populations scattered across the entire continent. Um, so lots of little different parts of the country. Now, normally, these guys would travel from one population to another. When a young uh, lion like Ngozi over here, when he grew up, his dad Themba uh, decided to sort of push him out. And that will happen out in the wild. So the young cubs will then go off and try and build a, a pride of their own. And that's how you mix that diversity of DNA that we were talking about earlier. The lion's challenge is in between those pockets of, of those populations that are out there are cities, are increasing amount of agriculture, farms, everything else. And they're just cutting those pathways off. So slowly, they're having to, to breed in with those small populations and those will dwindle, dwindle, dwindle. So we're seeing that happen with the African lion. We've already seen that happen with the Asiatic lion. There's only a very, very small pocket of Asiatic lions left out there. So they are getting towards critical, you know, being critically endangered. So the good thing is, the positive thing is, is that there is lots we can do about it. We can, you know, we've got projects that we sponsor out there that are collaring lions with GPS collars so we can track them, we can help them move away from populations so that they're not encountering uh, human villages. And also it means we can see where those pathways are and then hopefully protect them in the future, buying land, you know, getting governments to protect land, um, and then educating people that live in those villages, giving them better protection, you know, giving them um, ways of BOMA protecting their cattle and their families so that they don't have to go out there and, and sort of kill a lion to stop it hurting their family, which is a completely natural thing to do, of course. So it is about the cat that while we were out there at conservation, but it's actually a very holistic program that involves humans, giving them alternative livelihoods. So, oh my God, sorry, people... I thought the lion was going to jump on me. Okay. <laughs> Ricky's laughing here. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Specialist speakers make your next event fascinating, authentic, entertaining, insightful, refreshingly honest, totally compelling. Contact specialistspeakers.com. So we sit here just a second. You were saying about the idea of checking their health, and you mentioned teeth. 
Now, is it true that there's a special dentist the animals have? He practices in London's Harley Street. Is that, is that true? Yeah, he's a, he's a couple of streets back from Harley Street, I believe. But um, Peter is an amazing man. I mean, he's been helping us for so many years and other animals. But yes, yes, during the week, uh, Monday to Thursday, he, uh, he treats human teeth. And then Friday, becomes an animal dentist. So he'll, he'll visit us here one week on a Friday and he'll be... Uh, doing dental work with a tiger or a lion like Ngozi um, and then the next week he'll be off to Russia to do a walrus and the week after that Belgium to do an elephant so yeah he's a man with, with lots of fascinating and very interesting stories to tell now, you're building something which you call the ARC is that right? Yeah, ARC, which stands for Animal Resource Centre. So that is one of our latest projects. Uh, we're actually doing that in memory of an, another amazing man, John Lewis, who used to work with Peter a lot. So he was part of Vets International. We sadly lost him just very, very recently. And he was such a well-respected man with such a great, huge knowledge, uh, particularly about tigers and um, anaesthetics. So he would come here on a dental day with Peter and he, he would help uh, get the tiger into a position where Peter could work on his teeth. But also he would come and, and not only do that here uh, in the UK but um, John would be out in Amur and he'd be treating tigers like out out in the wild so so yes in his memory but also as an amazing vet it will enable us to have our state-of-the-art vet facilities right here at the big cat sanctuary so that's an operating room Uh, it'll also give the keepers a brand new meat prep room what does that mean Ricky over to you shall we shall we have a walk go under there it's uh, beginning to rain here in deepest, darkest Kent. So, uh, <laughs> so we're just going to um, sit in a kind of a hut. Now, an important message from our friends, the Jordan Legacy. This year, there has been a 40% increase in the number of adults thinking about harming themselves or feeling suicidal. Somewhere in the world, one person dies by suicide every 40 seconds. 75% of these will be men. During the past 12 months, 200 schoolchildren took their own lives. Most suicides are preventable. Will you support our mission to make deaths by suicide rare events? Discover more. Visit thejordanlegacy.com. So we're preparing food for 40 plus cats per day, and that will include things like horse meat for our biggest cats, things like venison and rabbit for the cheetahs, which are much more sensitive, the whole prey items like rats and quails for our smaller cats, which are being fed twice daily. So to have a brand new meat room, that will be state of the art, modern. It's just going to be much better for us working in it. Uh, And also it's just going to be easier and, and nicer for the cats because it will be modern. It will be state of the art. It will have... Um, temperature-controlled facilities and just things that will make our life easier in preparing their food. How much meat do you people go through? At the moment, every other week, we order in about 800 kilos of horse meat uh, alone. Uh, We get in probably around 100 deer over the course of the season. And then our small cat bill, we can have up to 1,000, 2,000 quails, rats, chicks, mice coming in every month or two so it's, it's a lot so where of food do you store such a, a vast amount this is where the, the, the meat mm-hmm. so we, we have a, a big container which is a freezer we have another one for a fridge but as part of this brand new arc building we're going to have big walk-in fridges and freezers right. um, put in for us which will be just 
a lot more room for us to be able to store more food so that we've got stuff to fall back on in case uh, our abattoir, for example, uh, runs dry one week. So, James, it's not cheap to run this place with this amount of meat and with training amazing people like Ricky here. Where's the money coming from? Yeah, it costs us around about £6,000, £7,000 a day at the sanctuary to just, just to keep still. We're not open like a traditional zoo to people coming through on a day ticket. So we have our safari stays and, and experiences. In a 30-odd acre site, we have maybe 20 or 30 people a day across there. Mm. And they will stay overnight in a safari stay, for example, and then get a chance to hand feed them at the end. Right. And for us, those experiences, uh, plus open days where we are open to the public at the end of the summer, that raises enough money right. to, to keep the place going. So I see it as a social enterprise model in that respect. As a charity, we're then fundraising. We're working with partners, corporate partners, business partners, and then also individuals that can become a member or an apex member of the Big Cat Sanctuary. Month by month, they're giving us donations that uh, gives us a sustainable income right. and allows us then to do projects like the Ark Building. So. Yeah. You know, and we get that through sponsorship. We get that through also gifts in kind. So we've even got the army coming down, the, gir- the Gurkhas come, from you know, Maidstone. Yeah, yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. So you are getting, to help you build your Noah's Ark, mm. you are getting in the Gurkhas. Yeah. What? Absolutely. So those What's guys, that about, Jay? Well, actually, these, these guys have helped us in the past. And actually, the, the last time, I think it was their engineering guys that came in and, and they, they brought in heavy machinery and, and did some of the big digging work that we need, always need to build foundations and do stuff. But the guys that are coming in this time, they're all technicians. So they're in training um, yeah. in, in the Gurkha Regiment and uh, they're using... Uh, our arc building and they're going to fully fit it out with us put all the wiring and electrics in and obviously for them it's great training they'll be doing that out somewhere as a support for the army who do a lot of work that people don't realize out there it's not just a fighting machine they are actually going out there building buildings like this in villages across across the world and and war-torn places so they're they're doing that to help people survive Mm. and help build new homes for refugees as well so for us it's great they come along they give us that labor and that's Probably one of the most expensive things about building a building um, is, the, is the time uh, it takes for the uh, guild people to come and do all these sorts of things. And they, they, they get a benefit out of it as well because they're, they're training on the ground and they can take that on and help other people. Now, in terms of the Ark, I understand you're putting in some, some rather expensive equipment in there. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, I mean, so if, in, in order for it to be useful uh, for us, obviously when you've got a, a lion like Kasanga out the front who's... Uh, 235 kilos at one point um that's a that's a big cat so we need a a, a big operating table for him to be put onto we need some specialized carrying equipment for him and winches Mm. but we also need everything that you would find in a normal vet but then also centrifuges technical special scientific equipment for the vets to use while they're here Mm. but also yeah particularly with the bigger cats that we've got a lot of machinery to help shift and bring them in and out for for operations so Mm. and not cheap so it's not cheap. Now, you were talking about membership. Is it true that you can become a member here for just £6 a month? Absolutely, yeah. For £6 a month? Yeah, £6 a and month. what do you get for £6 a month? And for that, you will get, you'll get your very own pin badge that marks you as part of the family here at the Big Cat Sanctuary. Right. Um, our own Blue Peter badge, yeah. Your own Blue Peter <laughs> badge, indeed. Um, yeah. And then we update you with a, an email newsletter that comes out every quarter, and that gets you behind the scenes. Uh, we usually have you know, guys like Ricky here will tell you a little bit about the work that they're doing, maybe some video footage that other people don't get to see behind the scenes of us working with our cats and mm. giving them the enrichment or just... You know, 
basically getting in behind where people can't get to go mm. when they visit us here. But also you get priority booking for our events. So our open days, for example, are one of the most popular days of, of the year, and they sell out super quick. So uh-huh. as a member, you get uh, first dibs on that uh, and other events that we run. So our conservation conversation debates that we have here, raising money for our in-situ partners. You know, you're first, you're first in the queue, basically, as a member. There is a next stage type of membership isn't there and what's that about yeah our members are fantastic supporters and they're paying anything from six pounds up to ten pounds a month but we have got another little section of membership called our apex uh, membership that's for people that are committed to conservation and cats and they're paying a little bit extra so they're paying a thousand pounds plus a year what do Uh, they get for that they get everything that a member gets but they also get some peculiar access to uh, special events that we run here. So we talked about Peter, our dental guy. So when we're running days like that, we get a small pocket of Apex members are allowed to join us. Um, So you get to be inside the den as it is then. Once we've got the Ark building, it'll be right in that amazing uh, theatre. But at the moment, you get to be in the den and you get to see... It's probably about as close as you're going to get to a, a tiger or a lion whilst they're whilst they're under anaesthetic, and you can see and watch amazing. Peter doing his fabulous work and, and making them better. That's amazing. Now, so where are you going to take your career next, thanks to this place, Ricky? I oh. just want to see this place develop and grow even further. I've watched it grow in the last 15 years into something really special, and I've been very lucky to have moved from keeper level to senior keeper to now deputy head keeper. Wow. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to see how how the collection develops, especially. I understand that for those who really want something very different, you also offer lodges. Is that right? Yeah. So as I said, the, the overnight safari stay here um, at the Big Cat Sanctuary is the only way you can really get to stay stay the night and have a proper safari. So, you know, for those guys that can't get out to Africa at the moment, um, <laughs> here we are in Kent, and it, it's not too far away, I would say. You'll probably get closer to the animals here than you do out on, on, a, on a safari out in the Kruger. And what you get to do is come here, have afternoon tea um, in our conservatory, which is right next door to one of our lion boys, uh, Kasanga, who often is uh, stood up right by a, a big picture window, and you can Whoa. see him. Yeah. You can see him right over top of, the, of your scones while you're eating your and afternoon tea. And this isn't just any old afternoon tea. You've got one of the best in the business to, to get involved with this. Tell us about that. Yeah, we have. So recently uh, we have a new ambassador join us, and that's Mr. Paul Hollywood. Whoa. So he has designed afternoon tea for us. So it's his recipes, it's his scones, it's his cakes, it's his finger sandwiches, bread that we're using for that. He lives not too far away from us, and uh, he's fallen in love with Layla our Snow Leopard. Oh, um, everyone does. Oh, everyone you've, got, does. you've got to people come here just to see Layla, because, whoa, what a leopard. Now, um... You've also got your patron is somebody quite remarkable. Do you want to tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, we're very, very lucky to have uh, Princess Eugenie as our, as our patron. She's amazing. She's been to visit here uh, on a number of, t- of occasions, and she is so down to earth, but so committed to help us and uh, and our charity. So it's an amazing profile for us to have a patron like that. But also, she's she's looking to do fundraising for us, and uh, she actually held a special event up at one of the palaces in London for us as well. So a reception that we could say thank you to all of our volunteers, our supporters, and people that have been involved in the sanctuary over its foundation and through till now. And that was a very special way to be able to thank people and, and give them a royal seal of approval. During COVID, it must have been difficult here. Did you turn to your volunteers to help you? Like everybody, it's it's been a, a tough sort of 18 months to, well, the two years almost. And um, 
we had to close in terms of you know not having any experiences no overnight stays and that was a big source of income for us unlike other companies and places you know that could close down and shut down production obviously we've we've got cats here we've got 40 odd cats and they need feeding and looking after and there's still a vet bill there's still a food bill there's uh, still a, a team of keepers that, that needed to stay on but we had to rotate those guys as well so we had teams of three one of them staying at home you know two swapping over you know just in case all it would take would be one one person in that team in that bubble to, to catch covid and then we'd have to restart all over again volunteers had to stay away for for a long period of time um which was which was you know not great for us because they are so valuable in terms of giving us their time and resource to run the place and are horrible for them because they you know they wanted to be here but covid prevented that so we went we went online mainly um yeah facebook lives became our staple support going out and telling people they could still get to the sanctuary virtually so we did a lot of uh, going around all of the cats showing people that we were still here and that the cats were okay and that we were caring for them as much as we could during covid and we ran fundraising campaigns across the board there and people were amazing and members uh, all the supporters out there across all of our social media really rallied to us and donated and stayed with us now we've reopened they are back we got through it we're just looking for, to the future now looking to new projects like the ark like our small cats big changes projects to, and looking to just care for our cats and, and carry on funding conservation and that's the key thing isn't it is it conservation story brands i know will be listening to this and individuals will be listening to this how can they get involved go to the website first of all so the big cat so that's the big cat sanctuary.org okay yeah got that everything's on there joining up for membership apex membership is there we do like to think of ourselves as one big family here so as part of that we work with our partners our conservation partners abroad but also here um, in the uk corporate partners and and people family the, the apex people are a part of our family our members are part of the family but our corporate partners we work with to see what products they have how are they working how can we match that with what we're doing here so you know we're working with ds Tachita, who are a formula e racing team actually uh, double world champions at the moment our logo's flying around on their electric cars wow. as they're racing wow. but they're also fundraising for us at the same time so their mascot is willow the cheetah <laughs> here and they've got a little cuddly willow the cheetah that they sell at races beautiful. and they donate a percentage of that profit to us so beautiful. so that's sort of a, a good example of, of partnership guys like champneys and southeastern and are working close to us and, and those guys will donate you know space venues for southeastern they gave us a venue to fundraise in in london Champneys will donate hotels and they'll donate uh, prizes for, for raffles and auctions what's great is we've got a excellent facility here we've got our founders lodge building so a lot of our partners come along and they have client days here 20 or 30 people there and you're able to talk to them about what you do and then obviously take them out and maybe you know give give one or two people a chance to hand feed a big cat at the same time and there's not many places where you can sit and have your business meeting perhaps and have a and have a rare black jaguar just beside you popping a head in the window having a look and seeing what you're up to so it's an extra board member for you so fantastic what's your favorite animal here who who is your favorite are you allowed to say it well, the, the stock answer that we have when we're going around is it's the cat that stood in front of me at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. But 
Uh, I think for me, uh, Nias, our Sumatran tiger, got to be my favourite boy because he's a, he's a tiger, so he chuffs. And uh, when I was first here, uh, my office was right right next to where his uh, enclosure was, and he was the first tiger boy to chuff back at me. Really? And Ricky, who's your favourite? Any of the cheetahs. Any of the cheetahs. Okay, well, as a kid who was brought up watching the original, by the way, Jungle Book, at least a hundred times... I know that you've got their own name for them. To me, it's Bagheera. Uh, and so, for that reason only, I would say any Jungle Book fans out there, you've got to come here. In fact, any fans of wildlife, this is a very important place to visit for so many reasons that James and Ricky told us. We have a responsibility in this planet. James mentioned the idea that people in Africa, they're worried that the wildlife is encroaching into their space but there is an answer to all of this it's a holistic answer you can make a difference whether it is joining for six pounds a month or just coming along or just showing the kids or just amazing yourself come along to this venue i can highly recommend it it means so much in more ways than a lot of people would initially think about so until next time God bless, look after yourself, and together, maybe we can help do our little bit to look after this beautiful world. Speak to you next time. Good God. Leaders is a goodbye production. It is heard around the world, but we can't continue broadcasting without your support. If you are interested in sponsoring the show or are looking for award-winning content, including strategy and coaching, please DM us or email reinvent at me.com. That's reinvent at me.com. <laughs>